April. I need you so bad right now. How did you know my name? It's me. You stay away from me. I have pepper spray on my keychain. Please, I'm Jessica. That was uh, Rob Schneider, who's actually a high school beauty queen, but whose mind has been magically switched with a much older man with really, really unfunny consequences in 2002's The Hot Chick. Body swap movies are a bit of a genre unto themselves, but thankfully, instead of just being goofy teen movies, these days, they can be something else. This episode, I'm reviewing one of those, Unsettling Psychological Horror Possessor. And it's also the last film that I saw at the London Film Festival, and it's just been released on demand. Plus, is this the beginning of the end for cinemas? You lucky people get to hear me rant about latest going-ons over at the Warner Brothers studio. I don't know what I'm doing, I'm just talking about films. I'm Lawrence, and this is Cellcast. So, uh, can I see it? I don't think you get the gravity of the situation here. I'm sorry. Can I see it? Rob Schneider is the hot chick. So, as I said, I'm reviewing Possessor, which is directed by Brandon Cronenberg. In the near future, Tysa Voss, played by Andrea Riseborough, is an assassin using an innovative technological technique. She takes possession of people close to her target remotely for a brain implant. She then kills her target, commits suicide, and leaves the blame on the host, leaving no suspicion of the true motive of whoever paid her. But this comes at a cost. Voss's frequent possessions take a toll on her mind, and in her biggest job yet, she begins to lose control of the host, with dangerous results. Or, as a haiku, wet working from home. Unplugging is difficult. One freaky Friday. And here's a clip. What's your levels this time? You just make sure you pull the trigger on the way out. After initial binding, you'll be locked in with no loss of control permitted during this performance. I can't afford any mistakes on this one. Ready? It's a wonderful thing to have a horror again under your skin, and Possessor does this with glee. Instead of just going for sharp shocks, it wants to unnerve and twist you round its little finger. That mood is never overwhelming, never too depressing or too horrible to watch. It's just a really gruesome feast. Its most memorable moments are the more trippy of the visions that come from Voss possessing people. Made with practical effects rather than computer wizardry, faces dissolve or mangle as the identities they are so loosely tied with. Bodies mix, as do the minds, creating some wonderfully shocking images. Outside of these visions, real-world violence is just as visceral. Brutal, sadistic gore spills off the screen. It's transfixing and beautiful in some moments as much as it's horrifying in others. The ideas in it are designed to make you uncomfortable. Voss's discomfort with her own family, her normal life, is that a result of her job, her endless possessions, or is she good at the job because she can disassociate so easily, manipulate anyone to get what she needs? It's a nasty job she does. From the beginning, it's clear her and the world she's in, no one's safe in this world, and anything can happen. There's something so bizarre about watching Voss's process and the possession itself. There's no funny body swap moments, just a darkness to it all. A feeling that what she's doing is wrong, is an invasion, is horribly unnatural. The near future world has an issue with identity as much as Voss does. Identities are mined relentlessly in the future. There's little to no privacy for most people. Everyone is being watched more and more and all to track their desires for purely capitalistic reasons. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? 
Possessor wants to hold a mirror to not just who we are inside as much as who's profiting off of who we are. The real world of Possessor also has its own interesting visual style. The tech looks almost from a few decades previous and distinctively Soviet. Clunky, obtuse and ugly oversized bits of tech are used for possession. Yet at the same time there's plenty of modern glass and vapes going around to let you know that this is something in our future. The cast is great. Andrea Riseborough is one of the best actresses of a generation, utterly fearless whenever she's in a role. She's perfect for this. Keeping a coldness and a sociopathy you believe, but also moments of desperation and fear. Sean Bean, who plays Voss's latest target, is someone you never get tired of watching, and it's great to see Christopher Abbott, who's Voss's latest host, navigate such a complicated role so deftly, where he's essentially a person playing a person that's being controlled by another person. Try saying that five times fast. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that Brandon Cronenberg is the son of David Cronenberg, master of satirical and gruesome body horrors like The Fly and Videodrome. I wouldn't always mention family ties, but it's clear father and son have similar motifs. But I really don't want this to take away from the fact that Brandon is clearly his own talent. Brandon doesn't pull his punches, his choices make you squirm and squeal. He wants you to feel uncomfortable, and that's a brave move as a director and really should be championed. Possessor is truly a great experience. There's a part of it that's a throwback to the kind of cinema that his dad made, but also, with an eye set on the future, this film was written in the wake of Edward Snowden, and that anxiety of being watched and maybe even controlled by malicious forces is at its centre. It's easy to see metaphors for drones and the future of gender in our society as well. Possessor is a bold and brilliant science fiction horror, nasty and visceral, with some of the best and most brutal visuals you'll see all year. It's an uncomfortable, gruesome tale of identity lost, made with an unflinching, uncompromising creative style that's going to make Brandon Cronenberg someone I keep a keen eye on in coming years. If you like sci-fi, horror, decent special effects and a good head fuck, this is absolutely essential. Sometimes, that small thought is all it takes and Possessor is available right now to rent from Amazon Prime, Google Play and YouTube as well. From its primitive days, the 50-year-old motion picture industry has grown to giant stature. Hollywood's technical artistry, its scientific skill in make-believe has given America an industry employing 200,000 that hundreds of millions may have the best in entertainment. So, something happened in movie news at the end of last week, and I wanted to talk about it because, although we don't talk about news often on this podcast, it really made me think, and I wanted to share it with you, because it might or might not be the next step in how we're all watching films. So, the movie studio Warner Brothers, who are part of the big, scary, multinational corporation that owns HBO, and the streaming service, HBO Max, which is like Netflix, but you can watch lots of HBO Warner Brothers content, announced that during 2021, they will be releasing every film that goes into cinemas on the same day on HBO Max. This includes Wonder Woman, uh, the adaptation of the Frank Herbert novel Dune, Godzilla vs. Kong, The Sopranos prequel, The Many Saints of Newark, The Musical, In the Heights, uh, Space Jam and New Legacy, that's a Space Jam sequel, The Suicide Squad, that's a Suicide Squad sequel, try saying that five times fast, Judas and the Black Messiah, and The Matrix 4. 
Now, a couple of bits of info. HBO Max is not currently available anywhere except the US. So if you're listening to this in the UK, then most of you will will probably have to go to the cinema to watch these things anyway. These movies will stay on the streaming service for a month, but can run in cinemas longer than that. There will be no extra charges as long as you have a subscription to HBO Max, you can watch these films. They're getting rid of any free trial offer that you can have for HBO Max, and it's only supposed to last just for 2021. Now, my initial reaction to this is not great, and I'll I'll tell you why. I just can't see any real good coming out of this. I mean, why are they doing this? Well, the truth is, is that even big corporations have bills to pay. They need to keep the wheels moving. The pandemic has stopped those wheels moving, and this is their way of doing that. You encourage people to sign up to a subscription service with this big move, and then you hopefully keep them hooked in month after month, and maybe even get get them used to having it the same way that they have Netflix. Now, there seems to be something that keeps getting touched upon, but not really given a proper look yet in all these stories, and that's piracy. Now, I'm not for or against piracy in this. This is just a factor that people should be aware of. The internet is suddenly going to get high-quality versions of everything, and if you don't think that's going to have an effect, then that's nuts. People might not have trusted it before or only used it for Game of Thrones, but they will be willing to put up with the 10 minutes of effort it takes them to work out how to do this if they're going to get these cinema releases for free. And I think a lot more people do it than probably the studio's are actually aware of, and it is going to have an effect. It's not just about piracy in general. Piracy won't affect all of these films the same, and Dune, I think, is potentially the biggest, most tragic victim of this. Denis Villeneuve is an extraordinary filmmaker whose last film, Blade Runner 2049, didn't do too well at the box office. Now, uh, this could be for a number of reasons. The, The kind of science fiction that Blade Runner 2049 was maybe doesn't uh, make as much of an impact on the general public as it used to. The uh, Most of the general public might not have cared about a Blade Runner sequel as much as film fans might have done, um, or they could have been put off by the runtime. Whatever it is, it does show that this kind of ambitious sci-fi, Dune is maybe a bit different, maybe it's a bit grand, epic sci-fi, but it probably is going to be something that's going to be a hard pitch to the general public. And the thing is about piracy is that a lot of the people that are kind of interested in this are probably also the demographic that also know how to pirate. And if they can get it for free, then why not? It's got a star-studded cast, but again, are the younger fans of Zendaya just going to be more interested in watching compilations of her scenes on whatever video streaming site? they use right and a lot of you will be thinking well this isn't really my problem why do i care if dune makes money or not well the the thing is is that if it fails to make money it could put off studios off of more ambitious projects and when that happens the film industry just rests on its laurels so expect reboots and franchises and marvel 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 star wars star wars star wars endlessly this isn't a great thing for filmmakers either i mean John Chu, who's the director of that musical, In the Heights, uh, one of the films I mentioned earlier, is a great example of this. He could have taken a very lucrative deal with Netflix to adapt the musical, but he wanted to see it on the big screen. So he went with Warner Brothers, and now loads of people are going to see it on the small screen anyway. Christopher Nolan very publicly complained about this, this move at the beginning of the week, and I can read through the lines of what he said... And it's probably the the same reason that I'm ultimately not too thrilled with this, and that's because cinemas are the real loser here. 
Lots of places, but especially smaller, more independent venues, rely on the big films selling out to finance a lot of their year. They'll lose a lot of custom from people who can get it at home, one way or the other. I heard one critic throw out the idea that maybe Warner Brothers could reduce some of the percentage they take from cinemas, ticket sales, to compensate, which is just so, so stupid, because, you know, like a Hollywood movie studio is going to turn down money. No, it's going to be business as usual for Warners, and cinemas will just have to eat the cost. And yes, you have the choice of going to see it at the cinema. But if something's easier or cheaper, people will do it. That's just the way it is. And ultimately, it's the experience that suffers. And that's what really bothers me, and what I think probably bothers Christopher Nolan as well. I believe that a good film, wherever it is seen, can still be effective, but it's never going to be more effective than in the cinema. The sense of wonder at the size and the sound of it, the ritual of the lights going down, I know how cheesy it sounds, but it does make a difference. The sense of something shared, a community, something real, physical, not just moaning about it on Twitter, that doesn't really, that's not the kind of community I'm talking about. You know, I'll tell you a stat that got released. Of the 13 million accounts on Netflix that first streamed The Irishman, just 18% of them finished the film. 18%! You know what? I don't like The Irishman. But, you know, it's a bad habit to treat films so disposably. You're going to lose the effect of the film if you come back later. Or, let's be honest, you probably won't come back at all. In a cinema, you have to sit. You have to focus. You can't take a phone call. You can't just go and check Instagram for five minutes or see if Barry texts you back. No, you have to watch the movie. You know, cinema is about immersion. About, to a certain extent, escapism. I mean, it's a medium designed to be watched in one sitting. And no, it's not always going to be great. And yes, the the film would... You know, The Irishman was nearly three hours long. But you know what? You, you do have time to watch it. Otherwise, you wouldn't have put it on. And you know what? Maybe people should be forced to see things how they're designed to be seen sometimes. Maybe we shouldn't always cater to everyone. Maybe we, we, we shouldn't have every film, TV series, album, theatre production and book condensed down so people can watch it on a phone on their morning commute. I mean, is that so crazy? Then... There are benefits to streaming services, I suppose. I mean, people are more likely to take risks on something if they've already paid for the subscription. If it doesn't take them any more effort or money to do it, maybe they'll watch something that they wouldn't have otherwise watched. And I can almost feel a lot of you, when I reeled off the list of films, just shiver at the fact that so many of these things that are getting released, you have no interest in and maybe are even pretty baffled about why they're making I mean and so you don't really feel that anything that hurts the studio is is something that's going to really bother you and I understand that I think we all feel fatigued with a lot of the stream of stuff that comes out but this hurts the whole industry the money does filter down the big projects don't make anything, then the small things won't get made at all. Look, this is more of an existential crisis for films and the industry around it. I mean, no one knows exactly what the effect of this will be. I mean, I suspect it won't be a success. I mean, after all, there's a reason they didn't just do this when the pandemic first happened. Logistics and money. Despite everyone talking about the death of cinema all the time, it's not going to happen until you can make a billion dollars from streaming one movie, and that's just not going to happen anytime soon. But 
I guess all this makes me even more determined to go to the cinema. Now, I don't want everyone to watch everything there. I, I don't want to sound like a Luddite, because I don't watch everything at the cinema. It, it's just not practical. But I don't want to watch everything at home. I, I don't even really want to watch most things at home, either. Look, we're all craving to leave the four walls of our home. Maybe with real life on the horizon, maybe we can all find our own dune or in the heights. I'm not asking you to go see Godzilla vs. Kong, though. No, no, one's, no one's asking you to, to go see that. On the 50th anniversary of motion pictures, Mr. Barney Balaban, president of Paramount Pictures, says... We are proud of the motion picture industry's first 50 years. The second half century offers a challenge of new responsibilities and new opportunities, which I am confident the industry will meet. We of Paramount pledge that in the future, as in the past, we will devote our skill and our resources to see that motion pictures continue to be your greatest entertainment in a better world. Thank you so much for listening to Cellcast. You can find and subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud as Cellcast and come follow us on Twitter at Cell Magazine and like us on facebook.com forward slash Cell Magazine.